Hey, everybody, if you want to tell the world something or sell the world something, head on over to Squarespace because they're going to help you build the website of your dreams. Say you want to sell some custom merch. Well, you can set up your online store, whether you sell physical, digital, or service products. Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. So go to squarespace.com stuff right now and you will face a free trial. And when you get ready to launch, use our offer code stuff and then you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. How could you go wrong with Squarespace? Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and there's Jerry Jerome Rowland over there. Uh, and this is stuff you should know. For a second there, I thought you said Jerry the Drone Rowland. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what a weird nickname. Yeah. Jerry talks like this. Oh, as in droning. I was thinking she was like a remote control plane with a camera attached. No, that's not what I meant. Or that she was bombing women and children. No, not that either. <laughs> I didn't even say that. I said Jerry Jerome. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Okay. You feeling all right today? Yes. You? How was your sleep? You know, dude, I have uh, all but stopped drinking lately. Oh, yeah? Lately. Okay. And so I'm sleeping like a champ. Yeah, and waking up like a champ, too, I imagine, right? Makes a big difference. Huge, especially at our age. Yeah, I've only uh, had the alcohol once in the past two weeks. Wow. And um, I'm sleeping so good, I'm kind of like, I mean, I'm not quitting drinking, let's be honest. <laughs> I, I mean, it doesn't sound like you need to. No, but I, I, it's uh, it just one day became two, became three, and I was mm-hmm. sleeping like a champ. Mm-hmm. And this is after a couple of nights of bad sleep mm-hmm. due to too much booze. Yeah. So I'm like, man, that's kind of nice. Yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, life is enjoyable. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway. I, I think it's super healthy to, and I, you and I have talked about this before, I think it's super healthy to do at least a, a month out of the year straight through where you're just like, I'm not having a, a drop. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? Uh-huh. It's just good for you. Yeah, I had a, a couple of years ago, I went exactly one month without a single drink, and I still ate like crap, mm-hmm. did not exercise. And I dropped like 13 pounds. Oh yeah, just from not consuming alcohol. From uh, beer? No, I don't drink much beer. That's right. But I mean, you know, gin and tonic—that's a ton of calories. Yeah, that's. I drink diet tonic when I have a gin Ooh. and tonic. You get used to it, and there's good diet tonic out there. Like yeah, you just have to treat yourself. I guess so. I've, I've never diet tonic really tastes gross. Like to me. the the swill that they have in like the little liter bottles. That's diet. That's yeah. <laughs> well, what's good? Like the the handmade brands, like Fever like the... Fever Tree. Yeah, oh. like the crafted stuff. Okay, like like artisan tonic. Yeah, tonic for rich people. Yeah, <laughs> tonic made by a guy whose mustache is waxed. Well, I have to try that then. Uh, I think you should. And yeah, it is expensive, but 
Just don't don't drink eight gin and tonics. Yeah. You know, or gins and tonic. What would William Sapphire say? Gins and tonics. Probably. I uh, told Emily the other day, I was like, I wish you could drink into your mouth and taste it and have a nice little effect afterward and have it just leak out a tube in the side of your body. I think that's called like a stoma. So you don't get the calories or the, uh, you know, the lingering effect. Yeah. And she said, yeah, it's probably good that you're not drinking. <laughs> you're like, no, really, let's flesh this out. Yeah. Like, there's got to be a way to do it. So, um, anyway, long way of saying I'm sleeping great. I'm glad. I'm glad. Have you, uh, ever been falling asleep and, uh, right as you were about to enter the land of slumber? Sure. Got your saw out, putting it to a log. You haven't started sawing yet, but you're about to. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, boom! And you sit bolt upright and you're like, what? What was that? I don't think so. I, I can tell you for a fact that's never happened to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's never happened to me, but um, unless I'm misremembering. I, I just don't see how you could forget something like this. It seems pretty significant. You no, know what I, I mean? I agree. So we're talking about exploding head syndrome, which uh, before we started recording, you were angry. You weren't angry. I'm always angry. <laughs> so not true. You were... Uh, <laughs> no, it is. I need help. You were picking at the... T- the name of the syndrome, because mm-hmm. it's very... Uh, Overblown? Yeah, to say the least. Exploding head syndrome. Uh, you, what'd you say it should have been called? Uh, what Crazy sleepy like sound syndrome? Sl- sleepy head, loud noise right. thing or something. Or what, what, what syndrome? <laughs> or, I'm trying to sleep, I got work in the morning syndrome. Stupid yeah. brain. I could do this for an hour. Well, maybe we should. Okay. Release it as a blooper reel. So exploding head syndrome is <laughs> a uh, a nighttime hallucination. Uh, also, you can classify it as a parasomnia. Yeah. Did we do one specifically on sleep paralysis or just talk about it a lot? No, and buddy, it deserves its own. I can't believe we haven't done it yet. I know we talked a lot about it in, in sleepwalking, sleepwalking, and transcranial magnetic stimulation. Yeah, I think we did one on sleep. Period, too, didn't we? Or did we? Mm, I think so. It's hard to recall. We, yeah, but for the most part, we have skirted around it, and I think we should continue to because I think it definitely deserves its own, its own episode. So we should continue to skirt around it. Yeah, <laughs> by not doing it. No, no, no. I mean, in this episode. Oh, oh, oh. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think it deserves its own freestanding, standalone, vertically integrated episode. Gotcha. Called, uh, what's the deal with sleep paralysis? <laughs> you got it. <laughs> so this is a nighttime hallucination, uh, or a parasomnia, like I said, mm-hmm. of which sleep paralysis is as well. That's all I'm going to say. Don't give it away. Uh, and here's the deal. Like you described, you're either already asleep. Or I think a little more typically falling asleep. Yeah. And you hear a loud, loud, booming sound like a gun or an explosion. Symbols crashing. That's a good one. Something that catches your attention. What else? Um, falling down the steps. A big person carrying a drum set falling down the steps. <laughs> right. One of those one-man bands falling down some stairs. <laughs> totally. Which everybody wants to see. Even if you don't have like a meme bone in your body, you still kind of want to see something like that, just for yeah, the just to see how it sounds that was and crazy. Yeah. yeah, it might play a little tune. You never know on the way down. <laughs> <laughs> Yakety sax, right? 
so it's a, dis- a genuine disorder, and I did a little Facebook survey. Yeah, hats off to you, man. You're basically a citizen scientist now. <laughs> were, did, did, were, was the, were the respondents all weird? No. They're were they weird? Stuff you should know followers, so they're... Oh, I, I know what you mean. The acronym weird. Right. Well, I meant it both ways. Okay. <laughs> they were neither. No, we have like a very wide demographic. It's great. Yeah, it is good. Uh, and basically, I just said, has anyone ever been afflicted with exploding head syndrome? Mm-hmm. Then I explained it because a lot of people, as we'll find, like responded with, oh, my God, that's a thing. Yes, I have it. That's really cool. That showed up in one of the articles that we researched. Yeah. Um, and I got... About 150, by the time I cut it off, <laughs> respondents wow. that said yes. And about, Wait a minute. Huh? You got 150 yes responses to whether or not... 150 total responses, okay. including like comments on responses. Uh-huh. And I would guess probably 100 of those were affirmatives. That's amazing. And about 70% of those are women. Did you notice how much reach that post got? Can you figure out like roughly what percentage of people who saw that responded? Well, we could, but I did not take the time. Okay. <laughs> this is still, it's an amazing response. Yeah, I mean, Hats I've got off to you. A, lot, a lot of, con- well, it really wasn't that hard. But I think it's <laughs> neat. It shows a lot of initiative. It is neat. Um, <laughs> I've, I uh, got a lot of responses. Um, Meredith said it used to happen a lot, but now not so much. Uh, it's even worse when the baby is sleeping. Interesting. Oh, because she's worried that the baby's falling out of the bed. Mm. Uh, Caitlin, it happened only once. Um, yes, I have it frequently from Melissa. Man, this is so bizarre. Uh, Lauren said I tried to explain it uh, to my family and they thought I was crazy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's more of a distant exploding noise for me, though. It doesn't startle. So that may not be it. And a few of these it may. That might, that might be the mining operation <laughs> off. <laughs> At the edge of the county. Uh, Sue, yes, it sounds like a gunshot. No pain or anything like that, but it is startling. Most people in here, crack of a baseball bat hitting a ball Wow. from Christiane. Yeah, you're right. They are mostly women, huh? Yeah, I mean, there's dudes in here, too. I'm just not reading those. Um, <laughs> you're here's, ignoring them. <laughs> here's a guy. Adam, not a, well, not exactly. Jonathan, yes, I live near a train. All right, guys, let's. <laughs> Jeffrey, yes, I have it. Thought there was something seriously wrong with me, but then I heard the term on a radio story, and I realized what was happening. It's a huge relief. So what? What all these people are saying, and this yeah. is this is That's astounding, this. right? Like it is. We, what you're reading directly reflects what we found in our research yeah. for this article, right? That has been published here, or there, very scattershot in um in in medical journals. And look for Chuck's study, by the way, in the Lancet this fall. <laughs> um. Uh, that that this is the the pattern this is the description or the experience of exploding head syndrome yeah no pain no uh, nothing more than a inconvenience really other than i guess it could like trigger a heart attack yeah and and that's one of the uh associated symptoms so yeah. you're falling asleep you're almost about to sleep suddenly there's a very loud sharp noise yeah in your head yeah but it's just in your head but yeah. it wakes you arouses you very suddenly, and usually scares the bejesus out of you. Sure. So tachycardia, or very fast or irregular heartbeat, is is one of the reported symptoms. Yeah. Um, of exploding head syndrome. Yeah, they can. Uh, it can go on a bunch of nights in a row. It can be very sporadic. It can happen 
once. Yeah, once it never happened again. And yeah, I think one someone of those said that. Yeah, it's so, just uh, amazing. Yeah, and it's unusual that um, a few people said it happened to me when I was a kid because it seems like it does not happen that often with children. No, there's um, but it can. One reported, at least one reported case of a ten year old, but apparently it mostly seems to uh, onset in the fifties, a person's fifties. Yeah. And that women tend to be at a higher risk for it, as your findings suggest. Yeah, and I did not, um, I didn't like be a creep and try and determine how old these people were. Oh, okay. I wasn't like, oh, this this dude looks like he's 40-ish. <laughs> this lady's got to be 60. Gotcha. <laughs> Just left that one alone, you know? I thought you were going to say, like, you weren't going to be a creep by being like, you smell nice to, like, every response. <laughs> no. This guy, I can't tell, because he just has an avatar of a Mortal Kombat character. <laughs> yeah. Which means he's, like, 40. Oh. Ouch. Should we take a break? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. You know, true love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another. And every time after that, it's taking long walks together in the summer or gazing longingly into each other's eyes and watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard. Well, the pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight. And honestly, the answer is yes. Uh, as everyone knows from listening to this show, we have pulled all of our dogs off the street that Emily and I have had over the years, either right off the street or through a local shelter and working with them. And they've all become valued family members. And we think they've appreciated it, too. Yeah, Chuck, there is a pedigree loyalty survey that found that 90% of first-time dog owners report having a dog improved at least one of their relationships, and 80% of first-time dog owners are overwhelmingly more likely to have made at least one new connection as a result of getting a dog. And 95% of all dog owners say that the bond they have with their dogs is closer than they ever expected. Not a big surprise. That's true. We all know that adopting a dog can lead to a lifetime meaningful connection and real love can exist between a pet and a pet parent. You got that straight. Pedigree is committed to helping more dogs find loving homes. Opening your home to a dog can help open your heart. And Love at First Sight is closer than you think because it's available at your local dog shelter. Yeah, very important point. You can find love at first sight with the Pedigree Adoption Drive from June 7th to June 9th. And the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. That's right. So just visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode... Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Where does all this come from, sir? It comes from your head. Where was this first described, sir? 
Oh, uh, they're back in the, I think, 1870s. Yeah, 1876. There's a guy for, standby for the most 1870s name you'll hear today, Silas Weir Mitchell. Yeah. And uh, he was a physician who apparently was a magnet for exploding head syndrome. Oh, really? Well, he described several cases of his, among his patients. Yeah. Um, and he was, as far as anyone knows, the first in the medical literature to describe exploding head syndrome. He didn't call it that, though. He called them sensory discharges. But what he described was clearly what we now understand as exploding head syndrome. Yeah, he had one patient called Mr. V. That's who he called it. It? Him? Uh, right, the guy's real name was Mr. V, spelled V-E-E, probably. but he abbreviated it as Mr. V. Uh, he said he experienced a, quote, sense of a pistol shot or a blow on the head, end quote. Man. And uh, he complained of a noise in my head, which is sometimes like the sound of a bell, which has been struck once, or else I hear a loud noise, which is most like that of a guitar string, mm-hmm. rudely struck, which breaks with a twang. Mm-hmm. And I presume he did not live above a, uh, a folk singing cafe. <laughs> Man. You know what you do when you live above one of those. You move. move. Yeah. Uh, so, like you said, um, Silas went on to say it's a snapping of the brain. Uh, then a little bit later, and, well, not a little bit, 1988, that's a lot of it, a neurologist from uh, the U.K. named John M.S. Pierce mm-hmm. of the whole Royal Infirmary. Man, that is super British. And in the Lancet, yeah, one of the great medical journals, uh, he is the one, I believe, that gave it its name, correct? Yeah, we can really lay the misunderstanding at this guy's feet. <laughs> For giving it this awesome name. Yeah. He was like, "That's I'm going to celebrate finishing this paper and naming it Exploding Head Syndrome by watching Miami Vice. <laughs> That was still on in 1988, wasn't it? I don't know. Did you watch that? Sometimes. It yeah. was a little a little old for me. Yeah, probably. Like, I was like, man, that boat is so fast. Right. Man, that guy's blazer's so pastel. Yeah. That was about the extent of Miami Vice for me. Yeah, that was kind of the extent of the show. <laughs> was it? <laughs> no, it was good. I watched it. I it was good. Michael Mann, wasn't it? Like, a yeah. Michael Mann m- movie every uh-huh. every week. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, he... I think he got it going and then oh. stayed executive producer. Although I, I might be wrong. I don't know. Who knows? I think he did the movie version, too, like the, the remake years later. Surely he did. Which I did not I see. I mean, it's got him written all over it. Uh, Heat, though, I think uh-huh. that was his best one. Ooh, yeah. Good movie. Although, did he do To Live and Die in L.A.? I don't know. I love that movie, though. Yeah. If he didn't, he should have. But that's a great movie. I think that might have been him. You're correct. Uh, or, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Chuck. <laughs> I know that this is a tangent. I'm trying to avoid it, but I just can't let it stand. I think that Michael Mann accused whoever did to live and die in L.A. of ripping him off somehow. What? Yeah. Is that correct? I'm pretty sure. Which means not necessarily. <laughs> well, I had a great theme song. I know that. Yeah. Wang Chung, baby. Yep. They were one of those bands from the 80s where you're like, oh, these guys were actually way more talented than their decade gave them credit for. It was not Michael Mann. Okay, so Michael Mann accused whoever did that of ripping him off for some reason. William Friedkin. He Didn't he direct The, the Exorcist? Yeah. Wow. So Man, he's all over the place. He's got some cojones to yeah. go after Billy Friedkin. Sure. Um, 
how did we get on that? Miami Vice? Yep. 1988. Yeah. So let's go over some stats. There was a study in 2015 of, uh, boy, talk about bad studies, 211 college students. Okay. So your study already trumps this one. <laughs> sort of. Uh, actually, it, yeah. Not, not even sort of. I would say legitimately the study you conducted is better than the one you're about to talk about. Uh, 18% of people experienced it um, according to this survey, but... Most uh, experts say that's probably high because um, these are college students. They don't get a lot of sleep. Right. And that can affect, you know, whether or not you have this disorder or think you have it. Yeah, people who are sleep deprived are more likely to have it, I think. Yeah. Uh, psychiatric patients um, tend to have it a little more. 13 and more if you're talking about 10%, which is, I think, what generally people have settled on. You know, yeah, but... Just a little more, like 3% more, 4% more than the average yeah, healthy more. population. Yeah. You know something I thought was very weird that I saw? Um, people with other sleep disorders have it less frequently. Oh, really? Yeah. It's about 10% of people with sleep disorders have exploding head syndrome, but like 10.8% of the general huh. healthy population has it. So if you suffer from the one that we dare not speak its name, shh, shh, shh. then you are less likely to have this. I guess so, but apparently it does happen in conjunction okay. frequently. Interesting. Just not as frequently as people in the general population who have just exploding head syndrome. Gotcha. Uh, what else? There's um, Some people describe a, a, a physical sensation as well, like an electrical shock of sorts. Yeah, we should say, I don't know if we said it really explicitly enough. Like when you have this sound that wakes you up as you're about to fall asleep, yeah. and it is very clearly the sound of an explosion or cymbals crashing or a gunshot. Like again, you you're not there's no associated pain. Right. Like very most frequently the only physical symptom is your heart pounding because you're scared to death. It would just be like if someone came in with cymbals in your bedroom mm -hmm. and smashed them together. But it, you would wake up and say you're a jerk. Right. But you wouldn't be in pain. Go back to bed, Stanley. <laughs> but I think, like, there's not even the attendant, like, pain in your ears. Right. I think it's strictly in your head. Yeah, yeah. I think so there's, right. like, n almost no physical sensation, except for, the, like, the electrical thing you're about to make. <laughs> the electrical shock. Right. <laughs> just that. Yeah. Uh, and that's only in some people, and it's literally just a feeling of, of a, a current that starts at your torso or so, and... Torso or so? <laughs> yeah. I didn't even mean that. Uh, and it travels up to the head. But again, not everyone experiences no. that. Uh, so I think it's the interesting part of this. I mean, that's interesting. But is where this possibly comes from and like the process of going to sleep. Yeah. You know, true love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another. And every time after that, it's taking long walks together in the summer or gazing longingly into each other's eyes and watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard. Well, the pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight. And honestly, the answer is yes. Uh, as everyone knows from listening to this show, we have pulled all of our dogs off the street that Emily and I have had over the years, either right off the street or through a local shelter and working with them. And they've all become valued family members. And we think they've appreciated it, too. 
Yeah, Chuck, there is a pedigree loyalty survey that found that 90% of first-time dog owners report having a dog improved at least one of their relationships, and 80% of first-time dog owners are overwhelmingly more likely to have made at least one new connection as a result of getting a dog. And 95% of all dog owners say that the bond they have with their dogs is closer than they ever expected. Not a big surprise. That's true. We all know that adopting a dog can lead to a lifetime meaningful connection and real love can exist between a pet and a pet parent. You got that straight. Pedigree is committed to helping more dogs find loving homes. Opening your home to a dog can help open your heart. And Love at First Sight is closer than you think because it's available at your local dog shelter. Yeah, very important point. You can find love at first sight with the Pedigree Adoption Drive from June 7th to June 9th. And the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. That's right. So just visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode... Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Frendo, we definitely, I think, did a show on sleep, but as a recap... We we did. You're right. Um, it must not have been very memorable. When, you're, uh, when you go to sleep, it, it's not an instantaneous thing, as you likely know. You fall asleep, and they call it that for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a process. Yeah, that's true. Of your body kind of shutting down. The I systems. never really thought about that before, but that's, that's a pretty accurate description. Yeah. Otherwise, they would call it... Lights fight. out. Yeah. <laughs> What were you going to say? Finding yourself asleep? I don't know. That's probably not right either. Um, or just becoming sleep? <laughs> yeah. Or sleep. Sleep. Insta-sleep? <laughs> <laughs> are we doing good on this one? Not so much. All right. No, we are. We're fine. We're getting the facts out. We're just in in cloaking them with a lot of BS. Okay. That's fine. Uh, all right. So when you fall asleep, you're... you're your body slowly shuts down, um, and the brain is is kind of closing down each little store. Yeah. If it's a let's say your brain is a small town. Okay. It's closing each store. Your brain is Sam the Night Watchman from today's special. <laughs> That's walking around, shutting lights out. Uh huh. Right. Yes. Do you remember that show? No. Uh, it was probably way too young for you. It's called Today's Special. Mm hmm. Kid show? Mm-hmm. And what was the idea that every day is special? Uh, there was like a mannequin that came alive and a, uh, just, it was weird. Yeah, that sounds like a nightmare. It, it took, it was set at, uh, at night in like a department store, I think. Oh, okay. So I guess today's special might have been like what was on sale. 
Gotcha. Oh, I was kind of young. That reminds me of my favorite book as a child that I read, hmm. The Great Christmas Kidnapping Caper. Well, I don't. I never read that one. It was wonderful. It was about uh, three, I think, three mice in New York City mm-hmm. that broke into Macy's department store and lived there. Nice. And had great adventures in the department store overnight. And uh, Santa was kidnapped, and it's up to these mice to solve the the crime. Oh wow! And it was my first like book. You know, it wasn't a ten page picture book. Right. It was a book book. And the first one I really read and was like, wow, this is amazing. Were the mice up to the challenge? Uh, what do you think? I don't know. No, Santa died. <laughs> right. <laughs> I totally forgot about that book. What a great memory. Yeah. That's why I'm glowing right now. Um, And you can enjoy it because you've been off the sauce for a little while. <laughs> you've been getting good sleep. I'm lucid. <laughs> Uh, so when you are making that transition into sleep from being awake, your, your brain is closing down the little shop stores one at a time. And when you have exploding EHS, uh, that is, there's, there's something that happens. There's a glitch in the matrix, essentially, mm-hmm. where somewhere along that path of your brain walking around shutting it down, right. it just sort of trips up. Yeah. Um, so the, the part of your brain that is responsible for shutting things down bit by bit, region by region, uh-huh. it's called the um, brainstem reticular formation. Yes. Very ancient part of your brain, right? Uh-huh. Um, and they think that something goes wrong, like you're saying, when it's going through its duties and there's a glitch. Yeah. And But the glitch that happens is the alpha waves that are associated with the beginning of relaxing for sleep. Yeah. Uh, are good stuff. are suppressed, mm-hmm. and suddenly there's a huge burst of neural activity in the region associated with hearing. Right. So your your brain has a glitch. Your brainstem has a glitch while it's shutting your brain down for sleep. Yeah. And you hallucinate a very loud sound that uh-huh. startles you awake. Yeah. That's exploding head syndrome, right? Yeah. As and far again, as they know, hallucinatory. Total hallucination. It doesn't exist. It's yeah. your, you, the neurons in your, um, in, in the region associated with hearing going haywire. Yeah, it's crazy. It is. What's crazy to me though, Chuck, is that it's a glitch in, in your system, mm-hmm. but that it, it, it can happen in different people. It's not like one person has like a malfunctioning, like, yeah, yeah. part of their brainstem. Like that process can malfunction in exactly the same way across people. Yeah. It says something about the architecture of the brain. What it says, I don't know. Yeah. But it surely says something that that, that glitch can happen in different people in yeah. the same way. I just think that's fascinating. It totally is. Uh, and that theory that we talked about is, well, first of all, they, they don't know for sure because it's so rare and it's such a non, uh, I mean, it's invasive, but it's not threatening. Uh, yeah. That they, you don't spend a lot of time studying stuff like this if it's not super threatening. No, but they used to think it's rare. They don't necessarily know if it's rare any longer. Right. It's just it hasn't been studied for okay. for like there's been basically four five papers on it. So no one cares. Apparently not because it's not life threatening at all. Yeah. It's not even harmful. It's a benign condition. It's just very surprising. And apparently people learn to live with it. At least ones on Facebook. Oh no! They all said they're in living hell. <laughs> um, so that was that theory is the one that is most agreed upon right now. But some of the others over the years um, include 
uh, a shift of the middle ear components. Wrong. Or an ear dysfunction, maybe, mm. at the root? Mm-hmm. No. Nope. Um, they've done EEG testing to rule out, uh, which did rule out, uh, temporal lobe seizures. Mm-hmm. Epilepsy? Yeah, but not nope. the case. No. Uh, and what's another one? There was one more uh, uh, that wh- it could be a side effect of drugs, right? Yeah, drug withdrawal. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically uh, benzodiazepines. Or it could have to do with um, c- calcium ion channels. Right. And calcium ion transportation, which I think we've talked about it before. Like calcium does a lot of stuff in our brains. Yeah. Um, and throughout our bodies. I think that that's not necessarily discarded. It could be the mechanism that it happens by. So it's on the table? Yeah. I, for me. Yeah. I'm a fan of that one. I don't think that they're mutually exclusive, the uh, reticular formation and calcium ions could go hand in hand. Yeah, you know what's funny to me? I was thinking about when I was prepping for this, how whenever there's a usually a medical podcast where there's different theories, mm-hmm. you and I are always like, well, this is the one I, I've got my money on this one. <laughs> right. And it's just armchair, you know, doctoring, of well, course. Well, sure. But, um, but I feel like I could heal somebody if I really try. <laughs> Just through my opinion? Yeah. (laughs) So what do you do if um, you have this? Well, um, one of the funny things in the Atlantic article, which I sent, and in our own article, they said, quite often, simply being diagnosed and told by your doctor, yes, you have exploding head syndrome, and no, it will not hurt you at all. At all. Can cease the exploding head syndrome. Yeah, people will go into remission. Which indicates to me that stress has something to do with it. Yeah, I could definitely see how if you if you worry about it, it yeah. could affect your sleep, and then once your sleep is affected, you're more prone to keep having it. Yeah, the cycle. A, a lot of people who this happens to um, mistake it for a stroke, right. or that they've developed epilepsy or something like that, uh-huh. and so they will go get um, they will seek out medical help for that. Yeah. And hopefully the doctor has heard of exploding head syndrome and can recognize the symptoms. Yeah, or at the very least you can self-diagnose and take that to your doctor because they love that. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, tell them you Google it. Mm-hmm. Like when he starts to talk, just be like, shh, shh, <laughs> Doctors love that. Uh, it is also not to be confused with PTSD, uh, something we did a, I thought it was a really good show, actually. I, I want to say when he or she starts to talk. Sure. Say, shh, shh, shh. Um, uh, remember the PTSD? Yeah, episode? yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. And, um, it's not to be confused with that, even though similar things can happen with PTSD. It's usually, um, some kind of a flashback. And with exploding head, it's not associated with any, no, anything like that. And it's just a straight up hallucination. There's no memory associated with it. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But what they will say is sleep hygiene. Work on it. Yeah. Brush your teeth while you sleep. <laughs> Sleep no. hygiene. I think hygiene's uh, one of the most disgusting words in the English language. Interestingly, it is gross, even though that means it's like paradoxical to its meaning. Yeah, the the word itself, it the does. sound, the feel of it, it the does. look of it. I totally agree. Gross word. Hygiene sounds. I think because when I hear hygiene, I think you're usually hearing it because there's poor hygiene. Maybe people you don't know, say like, oh, you got some good hygiene going on. Yeah, you smell wonderful. I always think of it as in relation to like eugenics, you know, like that oh. kind of thought sure. pattern. Yeah. Hygiene, you know? So sleep hygiene is a <laughs> weird, gross way of saying, uh, 
best practices to fall asleep. Sure. And that means um, a regular schedule, you know, Sleep all the usual schedule. stuff. Yeah, like, like go- draw the blinds, mm-hmm. make it quiet. And this one, not reading in bed. That yeah. one to me, it's like, no, if I read in bed, it's like I might as well have just taken a handful of Valium. Well, reading a, a book book, <laughs> sure, but a screen has been shown to keep you awake. Well, some recommendations are that you don't even read books in bed, that oh, you, really? you train yourself to associate bed with s- just sleep. No, man, so I'm that when you. you get into I bed, read a book and I'm you're done. Just, you're like, well, I'm sleeping. Yeah. Not for all people, though. Like, if you have bad insomnia, they'll recommend you don't do anything but sleep in bed. Yeah, I mean, I get that. Yeah. Like, they say take the TV out of your room. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah, but no, I, I'd be like, you're a fool. I can just read a book instead. I, I will never have insomnia because as yeah. long as there are books, bound books are around, <laughs> I'm good. Um, what always kills me is when I see friends on Facebook, like 3 a.m., total insomnia. Like, put your phone down. Yeah. You're, you're being counterproductive. Because it's not just keeping your brain engaged in thinking. Yeah. Apparently that blue spectrum light mm-hmm. really does something to your brain. Yeah. And it's not good. Uh, what else? No booze or coffee after five. Yeah, only booze before five. Yeah, I was like, that's happy hour. I think they were saying, yeah. Eh, say no booze after five. I mean, if you got to sleep a parasomnia, you're you're gonna go to great lengths. You're gonna skip happy hour maybe <laughs> to get some sleep. Um, do we have anything else in here? We do not. All right. I think that's so great that you conducted a study. Hats off to you. I think it's funny that you thought that was so great. I, I was, I'm just impressed. All right. Uh, if you want to know more about parasomnias like uh, exploding head syndrome, you can type those words in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said that, it's time for listener mail. So instead of listener mail, I conducted another study. <laughs> just kidding. All right. This is, uh, this is, I thought this was really neat. This is Chernobyl. Uh, hey, guys. Thanks for the fantastic podcast on radiation sickness and for talking a bit about the Chernobyl disaster. Uh, it really captured my imagination. As a little girl, I remember one of my primary school teachers telling the class the disaster would mean the end of life as we know it, and it terrified me. Uh, anyway, as the years went by, my interest grew, and back in 2013, I finally took the plunge and booked myself a trip to Kiev to go and visit the disaster site. Wow. And she said something uh, about, I had to edit this because it was long, it was good, but something about how, you know, I know that probably sounds weird um, as a vacation, but she yeah, said, I mean, if I'm a really, little like, uh, if you're into it, that's an that awesome way. vacation. Uh, the exclusion zone around Chernobyl is about 10 miles in each direction. It's largely deserted, although I was surprised to find that there's still people living and working there. Uh, the nearby town of uh, Pripyat is completely abandoned and very eerie, to say the least. We spent the day carefully walking on concrete and trying not to touch uh, any of the moss growing between the concrete because it's highly radioactive. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'd be a little concerned for uh, as a visit. Oh, yeah. As a visitor. It's an extremely dangerous visit. Uh, we were able to get surprisingly close to the destroyed site as well. It was a very somber experience. Uh, there were a couple of very unnerving things that I learned that day that have stuck with me. Uh, the government of the then USSR tried to cover up the accident, didn't tell the people of Pripyat that they uh, needed to evacuate for two whole days, inevitably causing many more deaths from radiation sickness than the inevitable. Um, there were several reactors at uh, Chernobyl, 
Uh, reactor 4 blew up. Reactor 4 was right next to Reactor 3, which they thought was going to blow up. Had Reactor 3 blown up, it really would have been the end of life as we know it. Europe uh, would have become completely uninhabitable. We all owe our lives to the unsung heroes who sacrificed themselves to save Reactor 3 and save Europe. Wow. Uh, much love. That is Kate, Nottingham, England, and Kate coming to see us in Manchester. Awesome, Kate. Thanks a lot for that email. That's a really cool um, vacation. Yeah, she, she took her mom, her mom, and sent photos and had a lot more to the email. Super interesting. Very cool. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Kate. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us like Kate did, let us know about your super cool vacation. Uh, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Instagram, too, at the same handle. You can hang out with us on Facebook.com, participate in our studies that Chuck conducts at Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold-pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. Childproofing people's homes is hard. But Duracell is making it just a bit simpler. Not only are they committed to educating parents, caregivers, and medical professionals about the importance of battery safety, they make the only lithium coin batteries with a non-toxic bitter coating to help discourage children from swallowing them. Duracell even features child secure packaging designed to avoid accidental opening. Learn more at Duracell.com slash power safely. Available on 2032, 2025, and 2016 sizes. 